Hey, good morning, everyone. We are starting a new series today entitled You're in the Story. Came out of a uh, conversation with our staff a while back where we were talking about some things that people we've, that our staff felt like, hey, uh, we really need to remind people of some things. And one was that we're included in the story of the Bible uh, because uh, the, the story isn't finished yet. Jesus hasn't returned yet, but he's coming soon to take us home. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. It is really good news. But there is a task for us to complete here because the reason we're still here in this world is that he wants us to share the good news of his love with everyone we know. And today we're going to read a few paragraphs from the last page of the last letter that Peter wrote before he died. He was executed by Emperor Nero in AD 68, and either a few months or a year before that, he wrote the letter that we call 2 Peter. And this is just a few paragraphs from the last page of that letter. And he wanted to remind people of his day how important it was to look forward to the Lord's return and be busy with the time we have in this world. And so today, I want to remind us that we're in the story. The story of God's plan to rescue lost sinners. You want to know where? It'd be in this part of the Bible right here. <laughs> okay, Right before maps. All right, that's where we are. And you and I have a part to play. And I hope you came prepared to be encouraged and challenged today because Peter said that's why he wrote the letter. And I'm counting on him, counting on God to encourage and challenge us uh, down to our socks. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray today you will encourage us. Peter is going to open this letter saying, I'm writing this to stimulate your thinking and to remind you of what's most important. And so, God, today I pray that you will stimulate our minds and remind us of what's most important so we spend every single day living for you. Lord, it is a wonderful thing to think that you might come to take us home today. And so, Father, we want to make the most of this day. But, Lord, if it's another 10 years or 20 years, we want to make the most of that time, too. So today, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way and remind us what Peter was talking about. Remind us of how we fit in the story of your great plan to rescue lost sinners. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, point A on your outline, if you're joining us online, um, glad that you are. You can download the outline at centeringlives.com. But Peter reminds us that the story of God's plan to rescue lost sinners from judgment isn't over yet. This is 2 Peter chapter 3. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. And he said, I want to remind you of some things that are terribly important. Stimulate your thinking. I want to challenge you and wake you up. This is about 30, 35 years after Jesus had died on the cross, been buried in the tomb, uh, placed in the tomb, resurrected on Easter Sunday morning and ascended into heaven. And it's been a while. And people have been wondering, well, hey, this Jesus coming back stuff, is this all true? Is this really going to happen? Because this is what the apostles have been preaching. And he said, I want to remind you about all some, some important things here. And we're going to unpack it here this morning. Most importantly, he said, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers are going to come 
mocking the truth, following their own desires, and they're going to say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything's remained the same since the world was first created. And this was happening in Peter's lifetime. It's certainly happening now, 1900 and some odd years later. I mean, it was happening then. It's happening now that people are going to say, hey, is there anything to this business that Jesus is coming back again? By the way, Jesus did promise to come again and take us home to heaven. This is what he told his disciples right before he was crucified. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to go prepare a place for you? And when everything's ready, I'm going to come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. I mean, that is a marvelous promise. Jesus said, I'm going to go get everything ready in heaven. Right before he ascended to heaven, he gave them a commission to go and tell the whole world the good news. But he reminded them, and he said, I'm going now, and I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he'll be with you and empower you. And when everything's ready in heaven, at the right time, I'm going to come and get you. Now, this is our great hope. The second thing we need to remind ourselves about this is Jesus said no one knows when this will be. I mean, nobody knows. In fact, when his disciples asked him point blank about it, he said no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And the disciples said, hey, Jesus, when's all this going to come about? When are you coming back? If you're coming back to get us, when? And he said, um, yeah, no one knows. He doesn't want us to know because he wants us to be ready all the time. Kind of like when you're in school and the teacher tells you that 25% of your grade is based on pop quizzes. Remember the pop quiz? Yeah, you don't know when it's going to happen. You were having a good day until you got to school and that happened, okay? But if you'd done your homework and accomplished the readings, it didn't make any difference. You were ready. You could ace it. And everybody hated sitting next to that kid. No, uh, that's <laughs> I want to be that kid when it comes to my faith. And this is what we're going to hear today. Peter's reminded us, it's like, hey, that's why Jesus did it that way. But no one knows. And so we don't need to spend a lot of time. Oh, man, there are a million websites out there right now that'll tell you there's all kinds of Bible codes and other things that'll tell you exactly if you look at the phases of the moon or this or that or current political events, then we can calculate using some secret code to know exactly when Jesus will return. And there's always people selling this stuff. I don't know if you remember about 10 years ago, there was a guy named Harold Camping. Does anybody remember this? He had a Christian radio station and he had let it be known for years that Jesus was going to return in May of 2011 and take all the believers home, and then in October 2011, he was going to destroy the world with fire. He repented of that in December of 2011 when none of that happened. He died a few years later, but before he died, he uh, quoted that verse that we just read from Matthew 24, 36. I was in great error, and he repented of it, wasted a lot of money and effort, got a lot of people upset about a whole lot of things, turned a whole lot of people off to reading the Bible. Because he said he knew exactly when it was going to happen. And he said, I realize now I was completely in error. No one knows. Well, I'm glad he repented. The point isn't to say, hey, we need to know the exact day. The point is, are we going to be the kind of people that are ready for whenever he comes back? 
And Peter is writing in this letter, and he's saying, hey, I want to remind you that Jesus is coming. I want to remind you that no one knows when it's going to happen. And he also goes on in his letter to remind us, because Jesus has been gone a long time, we should expect people to scoff at this, at our faith, that he's coming back. I mean, if that was true 30 years later, think of how much more true it is now. And this is what you can also find all over the Internet, all kinds of people scoffing, hey, where's, when's Jesus coming back? Peter goes on to say they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. He brought the earth out of the water and surrounded it with water, and then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They're being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Peter said there's another part to the end of the world, too. There's a time when Jesus will come to take us home, but it will also be a time of great judgment. There will be a judgment day. And if in the margin you could write this word, urgency. Urgency. Peter says there are going to be mockers all over the place, and they go, ah, that's all a bunch of malarkey. I don't even know if anybody still uses the word malarkey, but I just did. Anyway, that's crazy. Things have been the way they always are. There was no flood. No. There is no heaven. There is no hell. Jesus was a good teacher, but he wasn't God. He didn't rise from the dead. Miracles don't happen. And if you haven't heard that stuff lately, you will hear more and more of it. Our culture has moved farther and farther away from Christian teaching, and it's gaining speed. I mean, there are people now who used to be skeptical, but now have become to the place where, like Peter said, people are now mocking things. Remember, it was just an Easter. It wasn't last Easter, but the Easter before. I was having a conversation with somebody, and they were going, yeah, they just talked to a friend of theirs, and they're going, oh, so you still believe in the magic man who magically comes back, and he says, your magic man celebration on Easter? You Christians are idiots. If you haven't heard that lately, you will. And Peter said, be prepared. We should expect that. Because, see, if there is no God who exercises judgment on the world, then I can live however I want. And that's what he said. These people are mockers, and that leaves them free to live however they want and commit whatever kind of sin they want. There's no judgment day. And if there's no judgment day, then Jesus didn't need to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and rescue us from the wrath of God and rescue us from judgment. And if Jesus didn't die on the cross for our sins, he certainly didn't rise from the dead. And if none of that happened, then all of this is just a made-up story. And this is why Peter's writing this. I want to remind you that none of this is made up. There are miracles that happen. The flood was a miracle. And it was a judgment on a wicked, rebellious world that refused to acknowledge God. And Peter said it will be a miracle again when Jesus returns. But remember, Peter knew a lot about miracles. He saw Jesus walk on water. He saw Jesus after he'd risen from the dead. He saw Jesus ascend into heaven. 
And Peter said, I want to remind you of these things. Jesus himself said he's coming back, and however long it takes, if you have to wait for it, it's worth it. And that's the next point here, that Peter reminds us we need to be thinking correctly about the timing of Jesus' return. Not mocking it, and not saying, ah, that's crazy, that'll never happen. He said, yes, it will. And he's, he wanted to point out, first of all, we need to remember that we must, we must never forget that God's perspective on time is completely different from ours. You must not forget one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. God looks at time different than we, differently than we do. And so if a thousand years is like a day, when Peter wrote this 2,000 years ago, the Lord said, yeah, Peter was writing about that day before yesterday. Every now and then we come into contact with this. We will be praying about a job or we'll be praying about a relationship or we'll be praying for a friend in some circumstance like this and it will take months. It might take years for God to answer the prayer. And in between, we are so anxious, we're even angry and frustrated and afraid and we're going, God, you're not doing anything. How come you're not doing anything? How come you're not doing anything? And then an opportunity will open up that none of us saw coming even a month ago and we'll go, oh, praise God, this is perfect. In fact, when we look at it, this couldn't be more perfect if we'd have lined up everything for years. It's as if God had been working on this all along. And I shouldn't have been worried and angry and grumbling and afraid. I'm talking about John Schmidt here. Can anybody else raise their hand and join me in this one? Yeah. God's sense of timing is completely different than mine and yours. And so Peter says, hey, look, if you're wondering why this is taking so long, first of all, realize our sense of time and God's sense of time are completely different. I mean, we even experience this. We experience something different because our lifespans are so short. God's eternal, and we live for just a little bit. The Lord says our lives are like a vapor or just like a flower of the field. It's here one day, it's gone the next. In comparison, that's true. And we even experience this with little kids. I mean, man, when you're a little kid and you're five years old, summer is forever. Because like a year is one is like one fifth of your life. When you get to be 50, it's a little bit. And time seems to go really, really fast. And that's what Peter reminds us of from the Lord's perspective. A thousand years goes fast. He knows what he's doing. And will we trust him that at the right time he's going to come back? Because the other thing he reminds us is that we must never forget that Jesus is being slow in our minds because he's giving people more time to be saved. I mean, I don't know if you've thought of it recently, but it is so wonderful that the Lord waited till now for the people you know who just came to the Lord, the people who just got baptized this last year. I am so glad that he waited until I could come to know him. And even though that's, you know, right about 40 years ago now, I'm glad he didn't come sooner than that. And I'm glad he's given us today. There will be people today all over the world who come to saving faith in Christ. And Christ has given, us, given them one more day so that they can come in. 
This is what he's talking about. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And remember, our Lord's patience gives more time for people to be saved. I mean, if you're wondering, Lord, if you're coming back, why don't you come back sooner? I mean, why don't you come back before the pandemic? That would have been good. And the Lord is probably, I mean, we, we could have said that, and the Lord would probably answer out loud with something like this. It's like, do you not understand? There were people in the pandemic, every single day of the pandemic, who were surrendering their lives to me. I had faithful sons and daughters in the world sharing the gospel with people, going out and ministering to people who were sick and who were needy. And there were people who saw that. They realized my love for them and they came to me. And that's why I waited. That's why I'm waiting another day today. I love people. I want everybody to come to me. And I want to give everybody as long as I, I want to wait as long as I can for as many people to come in. Sin breaks God's heart. Jesus died on the cross because he loves us. Jesus loves people who are far from him, like we used to be before we came to Christ. Do you remember how that was? Led around by the devil like he had a ring in our nose, just pulling us wherever, we, wherever he wanted us to go, making our lives horrible and miserable. And when Peter says, don't ever forget this, I want to stimulate your thinking. I want to remind you of some things we only have a few years left in this world. Let's never forget that if God has given us time in our generation to reach people, that means there's people that God wants to be saved, and they may be our next-door neighbor. They may be our co-worker. They may be a person that we're going to meet tomorrow. And God is delayed because he wants that person to come to him. I mean, this changes the way we look at time. This changes the way I look at the week ahead. I hope so. And Peter says, I don't want you, want you to forget any of this. Peter also said, we must never forget that Jesus will come suddenly and unexpectedly. There will be a day when everyone who believes is going to believe. There will be a day. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Peter's writing this. And then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Now, he's condensing a whole lot of stuff. If you want to see all the steps in between, well, that's the book of Revelation. I don't have time to unpack all that right now. <laughs> There's a whole lot more to unpack in there. But what I want to tell you is Peter said, hey, I want to remind you, that the Lord is delaying on purpose, but he will come. And when he will come, it's going to come amazingly fast. We'll wait all this time saying, well, where is he? And then when he comes, he comes. Peter said that because this is what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings Right up to the time Noah entered his boat. And people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. Jesus said this, and he said, that's the way it'll be when the Son of Man comes, when he returns. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. And understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, 
Well, he'd keep watch, and he wouldn't permit his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. All the time. I mean, this is such an amazing message. I think if we got a text or a direct message on our phone from a friend that said, hey, I want to remind you of a few things here. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And Peter's saying, hey, we have a role to play in the story here. When Jesus said, hey, I'm sending you out to make disciples of the whole world, we're the current generation of disciples. And Jesus has not yet come back. And so if he hasn't come back, then how do we make the most of the time in our generation? That's the last point I'd like to talk with you about today, is that Peter reminds us that our understanding of Jesus' imminent return should impact how we live. I mean, this isn't just trivial pursuit. We're not trying to unwrap some secret Bible code. What we're saying is, how do we put this into practice? Well, first of all, Peter says we should live holy lives. If it's true that God uses us to share his message with unbelieving people, he doesn't send angels to do it, doesn't send animals to do it. This is our job, which it is. Then Peter said, then think about that all the time and live holy lives. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. While you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Paul in Philippians 2 said, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. This is what God wants you and me to do. And he places us in positions where we can shine out for him. I I think back, it was so funny because this weekend there's a big deep freeze going across the nation right now. I remember, uh, well, I talked to my brother in Kansas. The high today is three. Tomorrow the high will be two. I love the South. Does anybody else love the South? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> okay. But I'm, and there's all kinds of ice and snow that's going to come across Tennessee and Arkansas and all kinds of places like that. Well, that's, and I was thinking back, that's exactly the way it was uh, 36 years ago when I originally moved to Alabama. I was supposed to, I was driving down to Alabama. It was a big storm just like this. I was moving down at the beginning of February. I'd graduated in December, and I was going to take a job in Montgomery with a uh, company that was brought me down to work at a, for an agricultural feed mill. I got my undergraduate in engineering. And um, so I was moving down here, and then this ice storm came, and I was unable to take the route straight down. And so uh, I called the highway patrol, and they said, well, don't even think about going through here for three or four days. So I ended up going around the storm, going through Dallas and over. And while I was in Dallas, God had engineered the circumstances for me to meet a person who helped me, who helped introduce me to ministry. When I look back at it, all the steps that I needed to get involved in ministry, God was working them all out. He knew exactly when I was going to be moving down here, and my trip was rerouted. And things that I thought were random chance were things that God had ordained from eternity past. 
And then when I got to the job, man, I was surrounded in my first job by people with all kinds of issues. One guy was a chronic alcoholic that I worked with, and I helped get him into rehab. I was single, but there was another guy I worked with who was fighting with his wife all the time, and they would yell and scream at each other. I went over and did marriage counseling with them, and I wasn't even married yet. My wife wonders if I wrote any of those notes down. But anyway, did everything. I, I mean, I had a chance to share my faith with every single person that I worked with in the course of a few months. And I remember I called one of my friends that had been involved in a Bible study back at college with me. He said, how are things going? I said, well, I'm just, I'm just kind of perplexed. I said, I came down here, but I've never been in a place where I, I felt like uh, everybody has issues around me all the time. And I don't know why I'm surrounded by people with all these issues. And he, he read me this verse that I just read you from Philippians. He said, like, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. He said, don't you understand, John? God put you there so you could be a light right where you were. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, my goodness. And I was cutting my teeth in ministry. I mean, it gave me confidence that God might be calling me into this when that seemed to be what I was doing. Every day after I got off work, I'm calling somebody, praying with somebody, working with somebody else. It became pretty obvious to me, maybe I ought to do that. Well, I'm not the only one he's working on. He's working on you too. And if he's delayed, and if he is telling us, hey, I'm coming back soon, well then, what if we saw ourselves as on mission right where we are? So we should live holy lives. We should also do all we can to hurry along the day of his return. Peter said, not only do you, do, should you live peaceful and quiet lives and godly lives, you should look forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Well, how do we do that? By doing our part, by praying for people, being witnesses for Christ, accomplishing what he put us here to do. I mean, this is a wonderful challenge. The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come when the whole world hears it. That could happen in our generation. Think if every Christian embraced this and we said, hey, I'm going to make the most of the opportunities God's given me. 1 Peter 3.15, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what good life you live because you belong to Christ. I mean, God has engineered our circumstances to put us where he wants us. I mean, sometimes that seems impossible to believe. Because these are things we wouldn't have chosen. But God knew better than us, and he's working on us and working through us at the same time. Um, I want to show you a little bit of drone footage here. It was taken the other day. Um, I am standing in front of our new facility in Prattville and waving at you. <laughs> and behind me, you can see part of the slab of the new building that's being built there. We're going to have church offices on the right side of the screen. There's going to be a worship. This is part of the worship uh, facility there, the worship room, uh, right, that we were looking at. And that's Overlook Park, it's right behind us over there. We're going to be next to a city park where hopefully we can do a lot of things together with the city there. 
Beyond that, as the camera spins around, you're going to see new developments all around us. Oh, there's Overlook Park. Sorry, I got that turned around a little bit. But, um, and we have some more land that we own right over here. McQueen Smith Road is coming into view. And then on the other side over here is a new development called Hedgefield. And there's a whole bunch of houses being built there by louder homes. Behind that, on the other side, is there are homes being built all the way to 82. And as we keep going around, you'll see the Meadows Apartments over here where hundreds of people live. If you go across on the other side of 82, where you can see the cars going in the background, there are a whole bunch of houses being built there. And as the camera continues to spin, you'll see cotton fields beside us, and those are all slated to be filled with homes. Now, I'm telling you all this because think about this. If God is allowing us and has led us to the piece of property where he has, and he's led us there, then he's going to open up opportunities for us all around us. And if he tarries, if he waits a few years, then we're going to be using that facility to train up godly children, to train leaders, to tell people about the gospel, to teach them to worship Christ, to send people into missions. If that's encouraging to you, would you say amen? amen? Do you understand when we have a facility like this, we are pooling our resources and saying, God, how can we use this most for your glory? I mean, is it right to build a facility if Jesus could come any day? Well, of course, if we're using it as a tool to help spread the gospel and hurry his coming along. This is why we have sites in Montgomery. It's why we have sites in Wetumpka to help spread the gospel further and give more people a chance to play. I want our minds to think like this. And the last thing that Peter says is he says this, I want you also to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so you may not be carried away by the error of lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God wants us to grow. Uh, Mark Brown is sitting right here in the front row. Mark, would you stand up for the people here? Mark's right here. He's going to be teaching a, an apologetics class. It's going to be available online via Zoom, and here in Prattville it will be available for a seven- or eight-week period it's a class on uh, how the world was formed. It's uh, The Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel. It's a book he's going to be using. Just a wonderful book. And he's going to be helping us grow in our knowledge so we can defend our faith and always be ready to, for, to give an answer for the hope we have. We have connect groups. We want everybody to get involved in one so we can grow. And that way we can leverage every opportunity we have. Y'all, I am thrilled that God has given us this day. He may give us 10 more years. He may give us 20 more years. And if we make the most of it, then we get to be a part of God's plan for redeeming lost sinners. You may lead someone to Christ this week, next month, today. And when Jesus comes suddenly, wouldn't you want to be found doing that? Wouldn't you want to be found praying for the lost? Wouldn't you want to be found organizing a worship service, holding a small group? Wouldn't you want to be found serving the poor and the sick and the needy in the name of Christ? These are all things we can do. These are all things we will do together. 
Will you pray with me, please? God, I thank you for Peter's reminder. Gracious God, that we are here for a short time. Lord, your concept of time is so different from ours. Forgive us for all the times we have grumbled and complained. We, we can't wait for a job. We can't wait for a relationship. We can't wait for anything. And then when it comes, we go, oh, well, Lord, that was perfect. Lord, it's going to be the same way when you return. It will be the exact right time. As many as people, many people are ever going to believe will have believed. And that means if you haven't come yet, there are still opportunities for us. So God, I pray that you will challenge us now to live as bright lights in a dark world. Bright lights to our neighbors and friends and family. I pray that you'd show us how to pool our resources as a church so we can make the most of every dollar that helps the poor, so we can make the most of every minute in this world, that we can train leaders and send them out. We can equip people to be confident in their faith. We can pray together and teach each other how to do that. We can raise our kids to be godly men and women. Oh God, challenge us today. Stir us up. Remind us. This is the day you've made. We may have an opportunity today to give someone hope. We may have an opportunity today to introduce someone to Jesus. God, help us make the most of today. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.